This is Zach DePrima. I'm here with Alex. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Our topic here today is the topic of time management in the life of the Christian. One of the texts that comes to mind when we discuss this topic is Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16, where the Apostle Paul, he says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Alex, when you think about that text— in Ephesians 5, do you see that to be an obscure text, or does Scripture have much to say about how believers are to use their time? Yeah, I definitely would not see it as an obscure text. I, I would view it as in keeping with what we see in a lot of other passages. That text is in a particular context. Paul's concern there is that um, the the Ephesians live in a way that is markedly different from the world, that they no longer walk in darkness, uh, which characterized their lives before. Uh, but that they actually walk in the light, he says in that chapter. And even before that, in chapter 4, he urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they've been called. And as Paul is working out those implications uh, of what that means, he does get to this issue of time. Uh, He talks about other things, how you use your speech. Uh, You're not to be angry with others. You're to be forgiving. You're not to be engaged in sexual immorality, all kinds of things like that. And then he gets to this issue of, of, of time as well, that you're to think about how you walk, which I, I understand I mean how you live, how you go about your days. Mm-hmm. And no, I, I think you see that in other passages. Certainly Colossians chapter 4 makes essentially the same statement uh, that, that, that the Colossians were to walk in wisdom, making the best use of the time. Uh, Jenna and I think very often uh, and talk very often about Psalm 90, uh, verse 12, where the psalmist writes, teach us to number our days. Mm-hmm that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Certainly a great deal of material in the Proverbs. Uh, The psalmist in Psalm 39, I forget precisely where, is is asking the Lord, you know, he's marveling at how short man's life is and how Mm. he wants the Lord to help him to appreciate that life is short and time is precious. So yeah, I I think you see this this theme all across the Bible. And I think it's also... um, an idea that's present in texts like 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The idea that the, the details of our lives, the daily routines of our lives, that there's, there's this great import attached to those things as well. They're not just sort of mundane occurrences, but mm-hmm. they actually should be, should be thought about and thought mm-hmm. through. The texts that talk about us giving an account to God mm-hmm. uh, for every action done in the body, uh, mm. deed done in the body. Um, yeah, every, everything in life becomes of, of significant importance, and mm-hmm. so our time is a large part of that. So as we discuss the, the importance of time management, we're, we're applying this to the Christian life. I think something like time management, it, it's like it's like good health. Even the world values mm. time management. Sure. So could you walk us through what's different about the way a Christian manages time versus the way a non-Christian manages their time? There'd be two levels, I think, on which you're gonna have that sort of conversation. So, let's get really cosmic for a second. You, you could say on one level, well, well, even those who don't love the Lord Jesus or acknowledge God, they want to make good use of their time. But, but it, 
speaking out of a biblical worldview, I, I would say that's impossible for you to make good use of your time. time. Using your time well, your resources well, is productive towards something. Mm. So, so what are you using your time for? Well, I'm using it to store up as much worldly pleasure as possible. That's my goal. That's mm. not good time management. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're asking God to, to give us a sense of time and a sense that one day we'll We'll stand in his presence and answer to him. And Well, the non-Christian has no sense of that. And so I would say it's impossible for that person to manage their time well because mm. in order to manage your time well, you have to be using your time and your days in a way that glorifies God and you have the object of eternity in view and all that. But that said, there's another level, another plane on which we can have the conversation where we could speak of uh, unbelievers using their time well. So, so you could say um, you have two farmers and if the goal is to have, you know, a good crop, hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yield in the spring or whatever, and the farmer who wasn't a believer got up early and was and was sowing, and he eventually reaps a great harvest, he used his time well right. for the purpose of reaping a good harvest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I think Christians and non-Christians alike are trying to use their time like that, okay? Um, your question is, what sort of unique motivations do Christians have? Yes. Using their time well? Yeah, I, I go back to that first thing I said, that, that, that the object is important. I have motivations that the non-Christian doesn't have. Mm-hmm. I'm using my time um, because I recognize my time is not my own. Mm-hmm. I'm doing everything I do. Like, like if my, very often Jesus would use um, parables to get across the idea of using your resources mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, those who invested their talents and those who did not. Mm. And, and the image is using money as the resource, right? Well, time is money, you know, and time could be used as a resource as well. And there's parables that speak of people not using time well. Mm. So we have a sense of, of, of answering to our master for the gifts he's given to us, the, the resources he's giving to us, the desire we have to bring a return to him. That's just not present in the mm-hmm. minds of those who don't follow Christ. We're, mm-hmm. we're thinking of honoring Christ with the way we use our time. Um, that perspective of a 1 Corinthians 10.31, we want to glorify God with whatever we do. So I'm thinking everything I'm doing is to the glory of God. So the way I'm measuring out my days, I'm trying to do this mm. unto the glory of God. And so, so I think the issue of, of what is our aim in the use of our time mm-hmm becomes uh, especially important. You think it's also an important factor, just the obvious fact that Christians live with an eternal worldview. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That. Maybe, yeah, you're getting behind my answers mm-hmm. and making me be clearer. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have a perspective on time that's eternal. Mm. And so if you think, you know, you're gonna die like a dog at the age of 90, yeah, and nothing, nothing is beyond that, well, it radically changes the way you live your life. The way the Bible captures it in a few places is let, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Mm. And Paul says we should live that way. If there's no hope of resurrection, yeah. well, what are you wasting your time investing in an eternity? Mm-hmm. You know, let's store up treasures on earth. Right. Not some, not some imagination, you know, or, or, or uh, fiction in our minds, you know. But if there is heaven to inherit, radically changes the way we use our days and yeah. our, our lives and our time. That's, that's exactly right. Huge, huge 
worldview shifting. I yeah, that, that's that's precisely Jesus' emphasis when he says, "Lay up treasures in heaven, where wrath or rust can't destroy, yes. or moth or rust can't yes. destroy." Yes. The idea is you can you can prepare and be laying up treasures somewhere that will be eternal. Yes, and how does that affect your your day to day? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to use my time and my energy to try to mortify my sins mm-hmm. and to devote myself more, more fully to Christ. I'm going to love and His Word and spend time in it. I'm going to gather with the people of God and, and invest in a relationship with God who I'm going to enjoy forever. Um, all, all sorts of things then, then come into play. Alex, every culture and every time period has its unique challenges. I would say the the godly management of time is always a challenge for God's people. Yes. But what do you suppose are some unique challenges in our day that make godly management of time difficult? So you mean like the 21st century as opposed to the 17th century? Yeah, and maybe the 21st century in America as opposed okay, to the yeah. 1800s in India. Well, that's that's not a hard question to answer. I mean, I, I can go on for an hour or so, but... But, but there's just tons of things. What makes what, what, what unique challenges do we face in 2020 in the United States of America that are going to mitigate against the godly management of time? Uh, it could be the immoderate use of technology, of social media, of cell phones, of Netflix, of Amazon Prime. Uh, it could be the culture's breathless efforts at ensnaring people through marketing. Uh, it could be time waster websites like YouTube or various blogs. It could be the news, which is designed, news, news outlets are designed to sort of entrap you <laughs> and keep you, um, you, know, you, you, you watch certain news stations, I don't watch a lot, mm-hmm. but every 10 or 15 minutes there's a breaking news report. And basically it's, Saying what we said 15 minutes and ago. And also, stay tuned, because yeah. we're about to report. Stay tuned. <laughs> you know, yeah, so all these things. And, and it, let me be careful to say, I'm not saying Facebook is bad, Netflix is bad, you shouldn't have a smartphone. Watching the news is bad. I'm not saying any of that. Mm. The, the, I was very specific in the answer I gave. It's the immoderate use, right. intemperate use of those things. So so I'll, be, I'll just be open in my, my own personal walk. My... My phone now tells me how much I use it. Mm. I get a report at the end of the week that tells me how much screen time I've used. Mm. Uh, my Audible account tracks how much time I've spent listening to audiobooks. My Netflix tracks my history on what I've watched. And it is almost always disappointing and mm. discouraging to actually see how much time I've given to those things. And um, and so I, I have to do the work in my own life to to... to yeah, I, I guess I guess I would say uniquely 21st century Christians, you have so much opportunity to be distracted by so many things, hmm. and, and things that were just not necessarily there in the 1700s. Hmm. People had more time for reflection, more time to work, more time to meditate, more time for relationships, and we've lost a lot of that because we've we've not managed our time well in the way we've just uncritically and unthoughtfully consumed the next tech that comes out or the next convenience or luxury that that, that comes mm. out. What do you suppose are some unique advantages our time has for time management? Well, <laughs> every virtue can be a vice um, and, and sometimes vice versa. Technology can be a huge advantage. Mm. Um, again, my wife and I, just to reflect on our own family situation, have had tremendous success using the phone 
to manage appointments and the calendar. We have reminders set in and all our bills are automated and all this kind of stuff. It's a tremendous help. So I don't have to think about a lot of things I used to have to spend time thinking about. Email is a lot quicker and a lot more expeditious than writing letters. I still think people should write letters. I sometimes do that, but not for day-to-day communication. Right. I studied Charles Spurgeon. The guy would uh, write you know, anywhere between 400 and 600 letters a week. Think of the time that took. He had sometimes full days hmm. dedicated to correspondence. Yeah. Well, I don't have... Well, you know, it's not impossible. I'd have to look at it. I mean, I probably have, going in and out of my email account, a few hundred emails a week, maybe. And so, um, how quickly can I get through that compared to him? Hmm. I would say another th- advantage we have in the 21st century is access to information far more quickly hmm. mm-hmm. th- than people have it. Um, so, so uh, you, you think of how long it took to learn something. If you wanted to know something that happened in history, well, I'd have to check out a book at the library and bring it home and read it. I can just ask Siri any question about anything I want right, right now and, and, and know. So I think the access to information can be incredibly helpful. Again, there's a little bit we lose. I think there's something to be learned in how we research and how we pursue information. But I know in, in the world of, in, of, of scholarly work, the amount of things we know now that hmm. we didn't know years ago, Yes, the things we can learn about the, 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 the scriptures that we couldn't, we couldn't, it would just take a lot longer to discover, the resources that are available uh, are, are extraordinary. Resources for managing money, resources for learning how to do things yourself. We're, mm-hmm. we're less dependent um, on, on so-called experts in a lot of different ways. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, those are, those are mm-hmm. some, some advantages, I think. I, I would say, if I can compare, be a little more short-term mm-hmm. in my analysis mm-hmm. of this, anyone who knows me knows I'm not a huge you know, cheerleader for the, well, I'm not super impressed with my own generation. Hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't think the millennials are known for their virtues. Okay. But one thing I'm thankful for with this current generation is it seems that millennials value quote unquote community more than previous generations. And what I mean is the need to be connected with other people, strangely enough, in a world of social media. Hmm. Yes. But it does seem that people, you know, we just had some people move into our neighborhood. I don't think they're Christians. And they, they just, we wanted, we, we love the Winston-Salem community. We want to have relationships. We want to be connected to people. Uh, universities put a lot of effort toward encouraging students to work in teams rather than studying independently. That, that is one advantage, I think, in terms of time management with this generation. Just that generational impulse to, to seek to, community. Yeah, to seek community, to, to be connected with others and to collaborate. I, I think that's, that's virtuous. Again, that can be turned into a vice as well. This is the generation of comparison and all that kind of stuff, and that actually can harm the way we use our lives and our time. Thinking of unique advantages, I'm reminded, I think C.J. Mahaney writes in his book, Humility, but he, he encourages Christians to own their commute. There's yeah, so many yeah. of us that are driving, if we count it up, probably hours a week mm-hmm. in our car. Mm-hmm. That's time that in this age you can redeem. Now, sure. not to say it wasn't good to just be alone with your thoughts and be not you know, thinking about anything particular during that time, but now you can listen to a sermon. You can listen to a, a Christian podcast. Yeah, and you, you can, can call a friend. You can engage in discipling relationships while during that time. Yeah, and, and, and it wouldn't be a bad use of time to just pray. Yeah, or just think about the last 
conversation you had with your spouse or reflect upon ways you can better invest in that person in the church or something like that. You know, I, you say that and that's, that's certainly true. At the same time, I kind of, I, I like a good commute personally. Mm. And I kind of envy the commutes people had in the days before automobiles, you know? <laughs> so it'd be like, it'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the horse and buggy, you know, rigged up. I'm going to be going, you know, 10 miles into town. Mm. I'll see you this evening. You know? mm. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that couple of hours it might've taken, you know, just riding the horse and to be quiet with your thoughts. But no, you're right. There's, there's all sorts of opportunities. Yeah. I don't share your envy. <laughs> sure. Alex, you think we can overreact in our sensitivity to how we use our time? Yeah, sure. Yeah, pe- people people that can be so stressed out over the way they use their time. Am I, am I using this moment to the glory of God right now? Yeah, I think that's possible. Maybe I, I asked that personally. Um, that that's relevant to my life. I find I, I I constantly need to be redeeming the time. Yeah, it's like it, even if there's you know my wife and I want to watch a program at the end of the night, I still feel like I need to be sending emails on my yeah. computer and working doing while, something quote unquote yes, productive. I need to be productive. I need to be doing something. Yeah, and, and and you would be the first to recognize I share the same the same struggle. You would be the first to recognize that's not redeeming the time. Hmm. Working incessantly is not redeeming the time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, looking down at a screen all day to send emails and to write and to whatever you do is not redeeming the time. Making money feverishly for, for, for 80 hours a week is not necessarily redeeming the time. We're meant to be investing in relationships. We're meant to have rest. We're meant to have cycles of rhythms of exercise and things like that. And so, so yeah, we have to look at our time more holistically. Redeeming the time is not being fervidly productive at every single moment of the day. That's not, I don't want to convey, convey that. That said, you know, looking at a culture that just regularly indulges itself um, and, 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 and struggles to be productive, I want to say, I want to encourage folks toward, toward productivity. But yeah, I, I don't know if this analogy just came to my head. Maybe it works. It's a little bit like healthy dieting. Hmm. Like diet and exercise, you get good, healthy habits into your life. All right, I'm going to, you know, do, do cardio three days a week or whatever. Or I'm going to make sure I go on lots of walks or swim or whatever. I get my, my exercise and I have my diet or I know kind of what my intake is, what calories I can allow myself. Mm-hmm. And I know what's too much. And then you sort of, you know, maybe you have to think about the calorie count a lot for the first few months of a new diet. Right. Or you have to think about the exercise regimen a lot for the first few weeks of a, a new exercise regimen. But that just becomes kind of a rhythm. Hmm. You want to arrive at a rhythm where you're not constantly questioning every decision you make. So, so when it is Friday night at a friend's house and they offer you a piece of chocolate cake, it's not like, hold on, <laughs> how many calories have I had this week? Let me, you know, get my calculator out. You're just kind of like... I know what I can allow myself. I know what's too much. I know, you know, I, 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 you don't have to think about it all the time. Hmm. And I think it can be that way with time management. You want, you're after healthy habits that produce a clean conscience about how you're using your time. And hmm. then, then all of a sudden it's not, it's not a traumatic experience every time. Am I watching too much Netflix or am I, you know, working too much? You've, you've worked out the rhythms in a way that's healthy for you and your family or whatever. What do you think are some of the main ways Christians struggle when it comes to the area of time management? I think that people have confused notions of what good time management is. So on the one hand, I do think there are a lot of people that think good time management means 
constantly engaging in some sort of activity that's sort of producing something. Okay. So, so I think a lot of people are workaholics. Hmm. A lot of people, and they need to know how to how to put work down. Um, I think a lot of people think good time management is is constant activity. Hmm. So, I, you know, I, I I'm a young dad. I'm not at that phase yet, where family or where our family is constantly going games and sports and swimming and soccer and you know all that stuff but I, I do I do get concerned about how much we think we need to be engaged in so Tuesday night is this night Wednesday night is the night we do this there's another there's there's a lot of people a lot of people are so busy hmm. so busy and hmm. I, I wonder sometimes is it is it so appropriate that if 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 I'm hey can I give you a call this week no, not this week, but maybe sometime two weeks from now, I'd be ready to receive a phone call from you. Like, like really a phone call, you know? Yeah. There's, there's no window of time. You know, we feel we've got to fill up every moment with some sort of thing on our schedule. We don't have time to do the things I think that, that, that are really healthy. You know, so, so, so we often encourage folks if they're able, not everybody's able, but if they're able to give themselves to the discipline of hospitality and a lot of times you know the the response is how on earth will we ever have time in the month to have a family over and i, I want to encourage you to just rethink through your priorities is that good time management hmm. that literally i don't have time in my day for for the compassionate use of hospitality i don't have time in the schedule for mercy ministry hmm. don't have time to disciple another christian I, I get really concerned about that and then i'm going to go way over to the other end of the spectrum now i'm not talking about folks who are too busy and hmm. folks who are, i think and let me pick on my own generation and younger um, uh, I think the millennial generation and below, I want to be careful. I think this is true. I think, I think if Harvard did a good study and maybe they have done one, this would be demonstrated. We are just lazier than previous generations. I mean, I, I am amazed, amazed, astounded even by the number of young men I meet who expect that they're only ever supposed to work 40 hours a week. Hmm. Now, if you work 40 hours a week, some people even work less than 40 hours a week and they're able to provide for their families, that's great. But the average working man of a generation ago wasn't working 40 hours a week to put bread on the table. Yeah, I'm, I'm not encouraging people to be workaholics. I think that's a really bad thing as well. But I want to, to say to, to a generation of my peers, brothers, sisters, Life isn't just handed to you on a silver platter. You need to get up early. You need to be disciplined. You need to cultivate habits, healthy habits of piety and of discipline and of work ethic. And be more diligent. Stick to it. Get an education in a respectable field and apply yourself hmm. and make something of your life. Um, that's not the sort of word I would give to everybody in their right. 20s or 30s, right. okay? But I'm just saying, as I look, this is not the toughest generation America's ever produced. It's not the most hardworking generation America's ever produced. It's not the most sacrificial generation America's ever produced. And so that's another pocket. I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody. Right. Um, the, although I tend to be more in the workaholic category, I think, which is not honoring to God. It is also not honoring to God to be a lazy man, to be yeah. a lazy woman, to be a time waster, to be someone who indulges the flesh and, and doesn't know how to to be disciplined. You know? 
<clears throat> you think it's easy to know if I'm a lazy person? What are questions I should be asking myself to, to probe if, if I'm not if uh, I'm not as industrious or managing my time as well as I should? Yeah, I think every Christian should be in discipling relationships with people in the church. Hmm. And they can just talk to you candidly about this kind of stuff. They should be very open about, hey, you know, how do you think I manage my time? Hmm. Talk to your spouse about time management and work ethic and things like that. Uh, look at role models in the church. I, I often commend that to young married couples. Find a couple in the church who you honor and respect and consider what it would take. What, what habits should I cultivate in order to have the sort of godly marriage that hmm. they have? Mm-hmm. I think you need to be regular in God's word, and that will shape your, your routines, your habits, your thoughts, the way you think about your life. Um, so yeah, those would be some of the things I would ask. Alex, when I think about this subject, I often think of what Jim Elliott famously said. Mm-hmm. He said, only one life soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a healthy grid for us to be putting our lives through and, and considering if our, we're using our time well? Yes, Uh I, I that's often attributed to Jim Elliott. Maybe he said that, but I think he stole it from C.T. Studd, hmm. which um, I just feel I always need to tell people that because that's a great quote. And, <laughs> and C.T. is somewhere in his grave. I don't know what those initials stand for. He's somewhere in his grave, not getting credit for his, his great quote. But I, I know Jim Elliott. What a stud. Yeah, what a stud. Very good. <laughs> um, yes, I, I, I love that quote. Um, I, I think people... People need to be impressed with the brevity of life. That that would be okay. That would be a, a, a huge disadvantage to our generation. I mean, the last three right. generations. Ever since infant mortality rates went way down, hmm. childhood mortality rates went way down. Um, I think it's been easier. I, I rejoice that infant mortality rates are way down. Okay, right. But ever since that happened, I, I think there's something to this culturally, historically. The brevity of life, I think young people grow up thinking they're going to live forever. Uh, we try to shield our kids from funerals and from hospitals, and, and, and I, don't think, I don't think young people are thinking about how short life is. You think of how often it comes up in the Proverbs and the Psalms. Teach us to number our days. Help me to recognize, Lord, that man is as dust. His days are like a, a hand's breadth. It's the size, the width of a hand, you know? Um, Ecclesiastes, life is his vapor and, and, and grasping after the wind. And uh, our, our lives are like flowers of the field that grow and then they fade, you know. So I, I think we need to have much more of that perspective. And what would that produce in our lives? A sense of the importance of every moment, of every month, of every year, that, that, that my life, I only have one life to live, and I want it to count for the glory of God. Not that I want to earn my place in heaven or something like that. You only have that by trust in the blood of Christ. But recognizing, all right, I am saved by the grace of God. And now what do I got? 10 years, 30 years, 50 years? I, I don't know. But with whatever time I have, I want to honor God. I have the opportunity before me to please my master with the way I mm. use my life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about Jim Elliott slash C.T. Studd's quote. One life will soon be passed. What a biblical perspective. It's just a vapor. It's going to be gone in a minute. Only what's done for Christ is going to matter. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I want to think, what, what, what can I do with my 10 years, 30 years, 50 years that's going to have any lasting significance? Hmm. I, and, and I'm thinking of young people especially now. I, I think it's a, 
this can be this can be used in the wrong way, okay? But I think it's a good question to ask young people. What do you want? What do you expect? What do you hope people will say at your funeral? It's going to be written on your headstone. Is it going to be, you know, you know, Tom was always good for a laugh. He was always there with a real zinger line. If you ever wanted to have a good time, you just knew to call up Sally. What, 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 what kind of sham life is that? Right. Vapor life is that, you know? Or, or do you want people to talk? Do you want there to be hundreds of people who have been impacted by your life in lasting, eternal, spiritual ways who, who can stand up and speak of how this person lived for something that mattered yeah. and maybe achieved something that mattered? Now, I'm not talking about living so that you'll have this great legacy and people will, will lionize you for centuries. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about any sort of self-aggrandizement or something like that. I'm talking about living for eternity in ways that Christian people and, of course, Christ himself will value, live live for that commendation at the end of all things, well done, good and faithful servant. And um, that will give such perspective to our lives if we can think that way. Alex, before we had this conversation, I was meditating on Psalm 127, where the psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. I think of that text when I think of that person who who rises up early and goes to bed late. That person might be trying to manage their time well. Sure. So, so what we're discussing today is godly time management uh, at all in contrast with God's sovereignty, the fact that it is God who watches over the city, it is God who raises up the house, and it's God who gives us sleep. Yes, the, well, the fact that God is sovereign doesn't do anything to diminish the importance of me managing my time well. Hmm. It motivates me to manage my time well. Um, God's a God of means. The means our sovereign God uses to accomplish things is often the use of human instrumentation. And so if, if, if I know it's God's will that I be conformed more to the image of Christ, Romans 8, um, and I know that the means he's established by which I become more like Christ are to be regular in his word and in prayer, to gather with God's people, to worship him, to fellowship with the saints around the celebration of communion, to be in relationships with other Christians, th- these sorts of things. Well, I'm going to manage my time such that I can give myself to that. And, and what, what has God done? He's used my time management as a means of accomplishing his sovereign purpose of conforming me more to the image of his dear son. Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not a result of works, lest, it's all God's sovereign power. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. My walking in good works is the product of God's sovereign activity in my life. i got to live them out. And so, yes, God is working in me and bringing about things in me and accomplishing things uh, uh, in spite of me. And at the same time, he's using me, working within me, which includes managing my time well, in order to accomplish his sovereign purposes. So, no, I don't think there's any conflict at all. But I do think we need to recognize good time management doesn't produce fruit. Hmm. 
So if, 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 if I develop um, some healthy routines in my family life, it doesn't mean my kids are going to know the Lord hmm. or my wife won't leave me. It doesn't mean I'm going to have riches. Like we are not guaranteed. If you just work really hard, you're going to have lots of money. The Bible doesn't teach that, you know. It teaches that hard work often leads to the multiplication of resources, but it doesn't guarantee. Uh, what I'm saying is, right. I can't, by my efforts at being really good at managing my time, produce spiritual fruit. Yeah, um, God is responsible to bring any fruit, but God can be pleased with my time management. In the meantime, hmm. I can please Him even if the fruit uh, doesn't doesn't come in terms of producing something. God can be pleased with a man who worked very, very hard, and then COVID-19 comes and he loses his job. Well, now now I'm, I'm at a deficit in terms of provision. Does that mean God's displeased? No. In God's sovereignty, he brought about this crisis, and in the meantime, he's been pleased that you gave yourself to working hard to establish this career that's now ruined. You could have a clean conscience about it. You know, I was just talking to someone recently about this who lost their job, and uh, they were struggling with, you know, what does this mean for me? I should have a job. I should please the Lord by having a job. And I had to tell them this. God in his sovereignty created a situation in which you lost your job. You were working hard. You got a good education. You were honoring God by the way you use your time. You should have a clean conscience. And now you should ask God to open another door. Hmm. But, but it's not like you didn't use your time well. It's not like you weren't walking in a way that was pleasing to him. God's sovereignty will sometimes perplex us and, and withhold certain pleasures from us and fruit from us, but he's working in us in other ways you know, at the same time. Alex, any other final thoughts or exhortations on the subject of godly time management? Yeah, th- this is so fundamental, but it, it, it's, it's, it's worth saying, because I think a lot of people can beat, them up about, beat themselves up about time management. They could hear a podcast like this and think, wow, I waste all my time, or I, I'm not using my time in wholesome ways. Well, if that's the the effect this podcast has had on you, it's okay to to, to acknowledge that to the Lord and I want to do better and bless God that mm-hmm. He's opened my eyes to see that through His Word. But I do want to say, no man or woman is saved through good time management, and we look to Christ to make up for every deficiency, every failure. None of us are going to use our resources in a way that perfectly honors the Lord Jesus. And where we fail, he is, he is there to compensate for us. He's, he's everything to us. And here, here's someone, you talk about redeeming the time, um, every moment of his life, uh, he gave an honor to the Father to accomplish his work, accomplish his will, and he is pleased to clothe us in the robe of his righteousness. And so, yes, seek to use your time well. The scriptures call us to that. But don't think you're going to earn something before God or increase your stature spiritually before God just because, well, hey, I got up early, you know, and I have a really disciplined life or something like that. That doesn't give you, that doesn't move you into a place of favor with God. You need the blood of Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. And then the Lord Jesus is pleased to lead us as his little lambs, his little sheep, his disciples into using our days well in in, in ways that honor him. Well, brothers and sisters, we are out of time. We love you. We hope to see you soon. Alex, thank you for your time. Thanks, brother.